This is Stu Epperson from the Truth Talk podcast, connecting current events, pop culture, and theology. And we're so grateful for you that you've chosen the Truth Podcast Network. It's about to start in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, and please share it around with all your friends. Thanks for listening, and thanks for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Please keep your hands and arms inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now... Today on the Christian Car Guys show, yes, making straight highways. So not just straight, but actually, according to my translation, a straight superhighway. I don't know if you knew that you had that capacity, but you do. And we're going to talk about that today. And if you were paying close attention, you might have noticed we're talking about Isaiah chapter 40 today because... This here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. <laughs> I used to love, to, or I still love to go to Disney World, but when I took my kids back in the day, I would always, when we got on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, I would always say, oh, get ready, kids, because this here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. And that's, that's a, you get to hear that, you know? And so, you know, it's time. I think it's time. Don't you guys think it's time we hear from Bill? Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> My Christian insurance guy himself, and we have a new theme for Bill, which I, we really, really enjoy. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> a little more than everybody does. <laughs> but, you know, when you're on a highway, you need good insurance. And so, you know, that's a good thing we got Bill with us today. <laughs> and you might have recognized Rascal Flats too, with Life is a Highway from the Disney Cars movie, which has always been sort of one of the themes of, of this show. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this passage in Isaiah 40. It says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. They didn't do a very good job of that part. They did a great job. No, it wasn't straight. They got all screwed around. It took them a whole generation <laughs> to get out of that desert. It was, it was straight up. That's the point. Well, it's not, see, that's the interesting thing about a super highway. Uh, is, get, is, all, uh, get rid of all but one of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, 
So here's some questions as I think about that passage in Isaiah 40. I bet you've heard it quoted many times, but I don't wonder if you've ever really spent any time considering all the things. And the more I study it, actually, the more questions I have. And I have some answers, but I'm going to just throw these for starters. Who's the hymn? You know, there's a voice of somebody crying in the wilderness. Who is that? And then where is the wilderness? Right? And why is the wilderness significant? Why, why is he crying from the wilderness? And, right, what is the way? It says, the, it, it says, prepare the way. So what's the way? And then who is the Lord? That, that's Yahweh according to the passage. But who is that? And then, how do you make a highway? I mean, straight or otherwise. <laughs> I mean, that's a basic question. Like, I don't know how many highways you've made, but you got to, according to, and I, by the way, Isaiah was on this. Three different times in Isaiah, he, he talks about making a highway. And so clearly it's, it's part of our job description. And then why does that need to be in the desert? And, of course, you may have heard this is referred to as John the Baptist's voice. So if that is John the Baptist, what does baptism have to do with that? So great questions, right? And, and those are things I've been on vacation. And actually, the reason why I know this here show is going to be the wildest ride in the wilderness is because I was up all night with coffee. <laughs> I was coming back from vacation. And so I was riding the highway and thinking about this. Oh man, I thought about it all week. Cause you know, when you're on vacation, you can really have a chance Bill, to just really focus on some things. Right. And, and so if you go to Isaiah 40, if you in your car, don't do that. But if, <laughs> if not, you can go to Isaiah 40 and you're going to begin the, the passage that we're talking about. It says, comfort ye, Comfort ye my people. Now, that word comfort is huge. It's like huge. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Today's show is brought to you by the Hebrew letter psalmic. Because a superhighway would take some superhuman strength. And the highways that we're going to make are superhighways. Because that psalmic is in the middle of that word highway. And so I wanted to tell you that's, that's coming. But when you come to the idea of comfort, it is a huge word. But fascinatingly, very fascinatingly, it's all connected through this picture that God has painted throughout the Bible. It starts with our little buddy Noah. He's actually, his name, when you hear it, you can hear the sound of an N and the an H, right? Noah. Well, those are the two letters in the word Noah, and it's the same letters that would be in the word comfort. And so that idea of comfort was that it says, if you look at Noah's name, he was named Comfort because he would comfort his people from the curse that the God made on the Adama, on the ground. So that really begged a question that had me going like, what in the world? Because this is obviously very connected to Noah. This passage is because it's saying comfort me. So Noah comforted us from the curse of the ground. I know I got Bill looking. He's puzzling. Yeah, I, yeah? I'm spinning. My head's spinning. Okay, now this is even more beautiful in my opinion, just to get you spinning some more. Noah spelled backwards <laughs> is grace. All right? And so if you take a nun and a het, which is what that Noah is spelled like, and you spell it het, nun, then you get the word grace. Okay? And grace means favor, right? And guess who the first person in the Bible that saw, got to see grace in the Lord's eyes was Noah. Of course, Noah was his favorite because he was the only guy left. I mean, you know, pretty much you could, you could just do the math. 
<laughs> but nonetheless, no, if you look at the first person to find grace in God's eyes was Noah. Well, why is that hugely significant? Here's why. John, right? John the Baptist. If you look in the middle of John's name, his name has got that same het and nun. And it's, it's yachten in, in, in Hebrew. And actually, you know, we talk about this, and this is actually how I got on all this, is the name John is almost surrounded by this idea of grace. And, and you might remember that John the apostle said that he was Jesus' favorite. Of course he was. Of course he was. Don't argue with that at all. Right. Well, his name has to do with that. Well, John the Baptist's name also has to do that with that as well. And he is the one that is going to be so involved in this comfort ye, comfort ye my people, because very shortly thereafter, you get to the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Who is this? This is John. What's his job? To encourage people to get their act straight. According to his last name, it's baptizing. <laughs> and so, you know, there we get back to this question of, I told you this was going to be the wildest ride in the wilderness, and we're going to get there, okay? So... What does baptism to do? And then when you think about Noah is all about baptizing, right? There's the biggest baptizing in all the world was, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, you know, led to this huge baptism that, you know, Noah was on an ark. It was made out of wood. Okay. All these things kind of come together. And you'll find in really, really cool in Genesis chapter eight, which is not an accident that it's eight because eight is the miracle verse that now the rains are over and Noah builds an ark. I mean, Noah builds an altar to the Lord, which is made of what? Wood, right? Because he's going to sacrifice these clean animals. And then God smells this sweet aroma. And you know what? When you look in that word, sweet aroma, that, that sweet smell, guess what you'll find? The, the nun and the hay. It's, it has to do with Noah comforted not only his people, but he comforted God. When he made that sacrifice, and you know what God did? Look closely. It says he removed the curse from the ground after Noah did that. He said, I will no longer curse the ground because of man. Well, interestingly, the Jews teach on this passage, Rashi does, but just what the Bible it says, the Bible says after this, he wasn't going to curse the ground because of man. I don't know how all that works. Like I said, I got more questions than I got answers, and this here's a wild ride, but I'm going to tell you, that the Jews teach that before Noah, there were so many briars and thorns they couldn't even sow wheat. After Noah, they were capable of now of actually tilling the ground and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, again, I, what I know is clearly Noah's job description was in his name to comfort. Well, John's job description, both John the Apostle, their name is to comfort too. And so Handel is going to give us a little idea of what he thought about this when we come back with this break but we got lots more and we got my own story about being on the highway last night <laughs> and we got bill i mean what else could you want we got so much more christian car guy coming up you're listening to the truth network and truthnetwork.com
straight highways today on the actually making straight super highways. And you heard Handel's version of Messiah there, which you may not be familiar. A lot of people are used to the Hallelujah Chorus, the part of Messiah, but this is another part of that piece, which was a masterpiece. And you can see that he was talking about Isaiah 40. And you might um, wonder, Robbie, where's the practical application of this? There's such a practical application, if you just stick with me. I think you'll see that there is such a practical application of why God painted this picture so clearly through Noah. He painted it so clearly through John the Baptist, and he is painting it with you and this whole idea of baptism. So here's the big question, uh, Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. <laughs> Who is John the Baptist, right? Because it says that he would come in the spirit of Elijah. Right, And I don't know if you ever thought about it, but there was one who came in the spirit of Elijah before John the Baptist, and that would be Elisha. He had twice, right? Elijah gave Elisha twice amount of spirit that, and what did Elisha do? One of the things that he did in Second Kings was he baptized a guy, okay? That was Elisha. And he told him to go dip himself. He said, actually, wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. And he made his skin like the skin of a baby. The Jews call it Tilvila. Right. And he, if you can imagine, they was made innocent as far as his skin is concerned with this idea of baptism. And so... Cleansing. Right. Right. And so it's interesting to me that obviously here we have John the Baptist coming doing in the spirit similarly to what Elisha had done, but he's baptizing. And where is he baptizing in the Jordan? Sound familiar? Of course. But more importantly, perhaps is he's baptizing him in the water and who later does he actually baptize Jesus? But he, he before that he's making, he's telling people get right, right? He's making people right. And so I don't know if you've really thought about it, but in your own life, when you get right, people start to pay attention. <laughs> if you start to get into a right relationship with God, people will see that and they'll start asking you, you know, Why what is it? you stop doing those other things we used to do together? They might say that, or they might say, what are, why are you always so, how can you go through this and not be all upset? You know, there's all sorts of different ways as you make your life straight and, and you begin to take the right path through this idea of baptism, okay? So as I began to, to look at this word wilderness, right? Like, why is the voice crying from the wilderness? Well, the idea of wilderness I saw was just, if you look at the Gospel of John, the very first line of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, right? You know, the, well, the word, Word, is a significant part of the word wilderness. <laughs> okay? And why would that be? Because what happened in the wilderness is, it, it, literally, it's a mem, which means water and the Word. Okay? Because when they were in the wilderness, what did they get? They got the law, but they also got water from the rock. So when you're in the wilderness, very cool, <laughs> literally, the word of God means you can hear him. 
to be in a right relationship with God means that you can hear him. You can hear him through his word. If you want to hear God, it's pretty easy. You, you know, you got 66 books that, that going to give you tons of it. But also, if you're out camping like I was this week and praying and asking, you can hear God there out there in the wilderness in an interesting way that you don't hear. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You go hiking. hiking and you, that's one of the reasons I love to hike by myself occasionally. Right, because you can hear in the wilderness, there's a connection. Jesus and Paul spent a substantial amount of time by themselves secluded with God. As did John the Baptist, right? Right. He was out in the wilderness because he wanted to hear from God, and he was telling him what to do. And he, what he was doing when he baptized people, the idea of that has everything to do with water being Jesus, okay? And Jesus is the word. So that you got this thing that when you're baptized, like here's here in, in this nine, excuse me, the eighth verse of the 119th Psalm says, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's the eighth verse. And it has everything to do with that idea of baptism because in the middle of that word is this bet, and, and to be cleansed by the word, you see, is very much connected to the idea of baptism because you're getting cleansed. And so if you're like me in the morning, you go get in the word, right? And you're hearing from God, then you're in the wilderness. If you're hearing from God in any way, shape or form, I can assure you, you are in the wilderness because you don't hear. And it'd be in, hearing from him is going to be a cleansing experience for you. You're going to be right because you can't get light unless you're upright like a tree. They always head for the sun. Same idea. When you're in the word, being in prayer, listening for God, or in the Bible, listening for God through the word, there's this cleansing that happens, you see, and and here you're getting something that's amazing, like you're getting this baptism. It seems to me repentance has to come before, and that the principle of the oh, ceremonial yeah. washing was that you've repented, now we've cleaned off all that stuff that you repented of, and you're now able to But it's not just communicate ser- it, Yeah, clearly. I couldn't agree with you. Yeah, because what, as soon as you decide, I'm going to turn towards God, you've turned. Right. Right. The second you decide to pick up the Bible or the second you t- decide to pray, you've repented. You've turned towards God. And so now, as his word washes over you, okay, it's, not, it's very practical because it really will wash you it really will get you straight. He really will put you on the right path, which is the way, by the way, that we're talking about here. But then, interestingly, what Noah did right after he got out of the water? <laughs> Let's have some wine. <laughs> Fall asleep drunk. And by no, the no, way, no, don't no, come no, bother no. me. No, that was later. Was you're, that jumping, later? you're jumping ahead. Before he did that, he built the altar and he comforted God. Oh, oh and so we got to get to that. And that has to do with taking communion. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing that we're going to do when we come back. Very practical. And then what does that look like when it happens? And at some point, I actually do want your story. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. There's not much time left today. Highway. 
highways today on the Christian Car Guy, actually making super straight highways. Um, and, and so, you know, at all that we're talking about is if you're going to make a highway, I don't know if you've ever thought about that being in your job description, but it clearly <laughs> is. Um, it was in John the Baptist job description for sure. And, and Isaiah is saying, you know, that it's kind of like if you're going to comfort people, you need to make a straight highway. And, and so, you know, I was on vacation and I was meditating on all these things, all, you know, you can imagine <laughs> Bill, <laughs> that my mind was just going. So as we were at the beach, we were at Carolina beach, just a phenomenally generous friend of ours that let us use his beach house. And so we're at the beach and I'm watching all these fathers and sons, right? And when you watch a father and son go down the beach, that son is trying to be his father. Just watch it. You'll, you'll see it. it, it it's, it's, it's glaringly obvious how the son is trying to imitate the father, especially at a younger age. Now, when they get older, you know, things get a little weird. But when they're younger, that son is doing what he can do to try to imitate his father in the way he walks. And you could just see it. And I was just observing this with my eyes. And you might remember that the prophecy of John the Baptist was we, he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Well, you go back to the Elisha story, right? If you become as a child, now as a child, you want to look like your father. And so as you come out of the waters of baptism, right? You're, you're this newborn child. And you're going to want to look like your father. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's a natural thing that you're going to want to do. Well, as you do that, you know what happens? People, I've, I've said this for years, if you get so excited about something in the Bible that you just got to go tell somebody, like I do almost every morning, I am so excited about something I read, I got to go tell somebody, I will tell somebody, right? And then they get excited about it, guess what they want to do? They, they, want, they will look in their Bible or they maybe hadn't looked at that passage before. Whatever you did, you were, you were just baptizing them. Whether you thought you were or not, if you put the word on them, however it worked, right? Then you get this opportunity to do that. And then, as, as we talked about, what Noah did, this is very important, before the wine incident, Bill, <laughs> what he did was he comforted God. Look at the, look at this passage. It's hugely significant that he took these clean, you don't want a whole lot of animals left here, guys. And he took some of the clean ones and he made a sacrifice, maybe the very dove that you know, and that sacrifice, they ate these things, okay? That's part of what the sacrifice was. And, and so he was literally communing with God. This, this, is their, their, this is a communion thing that God was smelling and seeing that after all Noah had been through, he still had total faith in God to the point that he was going to sacrifice animals so that he could have a meal with God, so that he could... And, and God smelled that faith because there, and he, when he smelled that faith, that comforted God like, okay, I think we're going to be okay here. Though I, got, I found a guy that believes me. It says it in Hebrews, right? That he was one of the in, the, in the hall of faith. I found a guy, right? And of course, yeah, he fell and he was like me, he, you know, blew it afterwards. You know, we all remember the wine incident, but, but before the wine incident, <clears throat> was the altar incident. And don't, don't forget what altars are made out of. 
would. Okay, and because you're going to sacrifice this animal, and it, and it's it's a huge thing, and and similarly now, as as all these people were being, you know, making this straight highway. What I'm trying to say is, you make a straight highway with your life, and people will follow it. In fact, when you think about the 23rd Psalm and what David says at the end of it, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What the shepherds teach on that passage is that a good sheep will leave a green pasture behind it because of the way that they graze on the, in, on the land. And they, you know, if you want to follow the tracks of the sheep, like it says in the Song of Solomon, you look for that green pasture because that's where they've been. Okay. Well, that's your life. You see, as you chew on the word and, and you, you know, share that with everybody you possibly can and, and you go about fishing, then, oh my goodness, this, this is going to be completely practical for your life. You're going to make a highway that other people can go. You can make a straight path. People can see that, right? You're looking at me like... I, I never know when to jump in and add something when you're on one of these wonderful rolls because <laughs> I'm, I'm generally three points behind you trying to remember. Let's make sure I research that one better. But I do remember being extremely hungry and doing the Bible front to back at least three times. I've got that first Bible that I've got when I accepted Christ. <laughs> you can't look at it wrong because it would all fall apart. And I remember enjoying sharing. And the other times when I've sincerely rededicated my life back, that hunger to actually crawl in the Word and understand better how the pieces fall together. Those are just excellent, wonderful, spectacular times to spend time directly with God through the Bible. And see all the people that your life impacted, Bill. Mm -hmm. I know, because I know your life, right? We've, We've walked together for many, many years. And, you know, you've made a straight path that other people... Go, yeah. Straight-ish. Straight-ish. Well, <laughs> the part where you went to God, that was straight. Yes. Okay? And like Noah, you know, we had our issues. Yes, we did. And got over most of them. But I have to tell you the other thing I want to tell you. Okay, so I'm I'm out there, and I'm, I'm done with my, I study the Word, I've taken communion, and now I'm like, God, we're going to go fishing. Because I, I, there's a couple places out there I love to fish. And so I really had the most spectacular time fishing with God on this vacation. I did almost every morning I was there. <clears throat> and I literally would say, okay, God, what fly? Because I tie my own flies. <clears throat> and I was like, what fly? So I have like over 100 in this fly box. And I said, what fly should I use? And, and he picks one out and he says, that one right there. Okay, now where do you want me to cast it? Because I'm looking at... Now, you're fishing <clears throat> in the ocean? No, I'm fishing in this little holding pond okay, that nobody in their say, right mind would fish in except me because I know there's a lot of fish fishing. fishing with flies in the ocean. Okay, <clears throat> I'm back on board. Okay, so almost every time I would ask him, where should I throw the fly? A fish would hit the surface and it was like, right here, Robbie. <laughs> and then I can't even believe, I mean, this fly that I, that he had me use was made from a, a, a bucktail, actually a deer that I shot. It was the black hair of a bucktail. 
and it was really long and I just kind of tied it in a whim and I put a sort of a foam thing in it and it was a really ugly fly. It didn't look anything like a fly as far as I was concerned and it was really long and I just kept it because I had tied it. He said, that's the one. Oh my gosh, did that thing catch fish? It caught so many fish I, <clears throat> I and I have no idea why because it doesn't look like anything. Is this a catch and release <clears throat> or did you have enough food for three days? <laughs> Yeah, it was catch and release because uh, I don't like cleaning fish all okay, that much. There we go. I, I like cleaning trout, but I'm not big on keep cleaning other fish. But this was, but but see, every time that I caught one, I mean, I just rejoiced with God. And I was sitting there going, God, that was so awesome, man. To catch a fish on your own fly with your own, that you tied yourself with the, with the deer hair that you, you know, harvested and all that stuff. It was just like, it was just like amazing. And we were just having the best time. And I thought, this is a highway. Like, if I could live my life, and I, I can't do it, I keep trying, okay? <clears throat> if I could live my life to be in that kind of communion all the time, like, God, which one? Well, how about this one? So I went, one day I went out and I said, well, let's try some other flies, God, because I tied all these beauties, and I want to see how they do. So you're, 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 will, you're smarter than God. you I got wasn't. these other others because they tried, look prettier. I tried try 40 different flies that next day, and not one of them did I even get a bite. And I'm like, what the heck? What, what, what? But I did, you know, I switched back to his fly and started catching fish again. That's just one of those things. I don't know, can't explain it, but I can tell you this, it was fun. And it's really fun to rejoice with God when he's been involved in every part of it, mm -hmm. right? And I know that that was an easy exercise when you're just fishing and you're, you're on vacation and all that stuff. But how fun would it be if we could just live our lives, right? And so we got a segment left. I'm wondering... What does that stir up in you, a time that you had an adventure with God where you clearly were in that right relationship? It's something that people would want to, they'd want to live that. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. Listening to the Truth Network and TruthNetwork.com. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, cause this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. There's not much time left today. Making straight highways today, actually super highways, because that letter psalmic is in the word highway. And that, that letter psalmic has got to do with the force of gravity that actually holds the earth in rotation of the sun. I mean, that's it's an unthinkable amount of force, right? Well, as you build your highway, because you're using the word of God, it's it's stronger than that gravity that, that that's holding you on the planet. I'm just telling you, it's unbelievably powerful. Is, is is the word of God in so many different ways. So very fun today. We had a question from a listener I want to take up. It was actually came to Bill, Bill, Bill from a text. Bill, uh, Bill, yeah. Bill, 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 Bill. 
And the question was, can you hear from God outside the wilderness? And the answer is, interestingly, that the idea of wilderness is that you heard from God. So if you heard from God, it's kind of like that defines the idea of now you're in the wilderness because you heard. The challenge is trying to you know, it's easier to hear in the wilderness because there aren't the distractions. Like if, if you if you just think about going to the wilderness, it's going to be easier to hear. However, if you heard from God in the middle of all sorts of chaos, then you managed to block out all the shenanigans and and oh, you're in a you're in the place you need to be. Um, would be my answer to that. That the idea of wilderness is defined from the fact that you heard God's word way more than the actual location of where you were at that point in time, because where you were was in God's presence. And if you're in God's presence and you're hearing, well, then you're in a wilderness. Got to figure out a way to declutter your mind occasionally, which is really difficult to do in this day and time. Right. Which is where the end of Isaiah 40 goes. You know, you might know that it says they that wait on the Lord, the word is kava. You mean like the coffee? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, it's it's the idea of being gathered into God, and what we're talking about is this close relationship with God. We've been talking about it, you know, for the hour. So, we would love to hear from you, your thoughts or your questions. Eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four. But we got to talk about something practical because it is a Christian Car Guy show. And, of course, the Jesus Labor Love is going on, as always, and we're so grateful for the car repair for single moms, widows, and families in crisis that goes on with that. But since we have Bill, Bill, Bill here, I want to talk a minute about insurance. Talk about making a straight path, right? It's hard to make a straight path. I've been dealing with Progressive, actually, for ever since this accident I had in Florida a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Bill has told me for years that you need an insurance agent. You need somebody on your side, somebody you can talk to personally, which I always had with him. But when I inherited this car, I inherited my father's insurance company, which is progressive. And I can tell you, like, man, would it have been helpful if you had been my agent in this particular situation? But it's not. And, I, and so I'm just going to go on record saying, man, I, I am you know, in the process of, of wanting to find a real, because Bill, Bill, Bill is retired. And so now I got to find me an agent. Well, I gave you a, a good, good lead and uh, I hope he's good. A, a good agent is every bit as important as the company you're with. Cause quite frankly, when it comes time to place a claim, it's astronomically helpful to talk to your agent and not the people on the 1-800 number so that you articulate your situation succinctly and that you paint the right picture because whatever you say to the officer first, the officer is going to make all the other facts try to fit with the picture he painted in his mind. When you leave a, a message with the insurance company and describe what happens, then everybody that reads your first statement is going to try and make all the other facts fit the picture that they painted in their mind. So it's extremely helpful to make sure that you explain everything in a way that helps you and that you don't add a whole bunch of information that makes it less likely that the claim should be covered the way you would prefer it to be covered. Right. And this particular situation was definitely a a picture-perfect story of that. Because what happened was I was hit by a car. You know, I was just stopped (laughs) at a stoplight. And this car slams into the back of me, and the car behind it slams into the back of them. Well, the the very back car barely touched the car in the middle, the car in the middle slammed into the back of us really, really hard. Well, in Florida, 
essentially they're saying that 50% of the accident is required is caused by the one that slammed into the back of us, which to me about 99% of the accident was caused by the one that slammed into the back of us. And then the little bitty tap that came after that was from that car in the middle in the back. But the challenge was the guy in the back is from England and his insurance was just what he had paid for through Alamo. Okay. And, and so all this, like, oh my goodness, trying to unravel the shenanigans of this has been unbelievable. And you in a state like Florida, and you mentioned that you might have looked at your phone, then you own a whole lot more portion of the accident because you actually broke a law. So you, I didn't say I looked at I know, but there are other people just, out there. I've got other friends going through very similar situations in other states where they've got no fault and they've got... Um, situations where it, it, they try to divvy up how much responsibility there is between the drivers instead of in North Carolina, the last car that hits you is the one that, you know, unless you were going too slow. But in any event, in all these cases, it's really good to discuss that with a real agent that's your agent who's making a little bit of money from you and discuss how you're going to explain things. Right. So, there's practical advice from, from my standpoint. I, and, and again, it has to do with a relationship because the idea of making a straight path has everything to do with your relationship with God. Because if you truly, truly, truly love him, when you begin to look at his word and you're trying to understand him, it's like trying to understand your wife. You know, you, <laughs> it, it, I don't understand this, but I, I would want to because I love you and I want you to, you know, I want to please you. Well, it's really cool to know that Noah comforted God. Like that thought just blows my mind. He comforted God. Wouldn't that be a cool place to be that we actually through our relationship with God comforted him that he, he thought, well, yeah, yeah. You know, that, 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 that's just really, and, it, and it's in his, in his name and in his, in those kind of things. And along those lines, what would really, and, and this has to do with relationship too. You may know at my website, it says I'm going to the Holy land. But it won't be near as much fun to go to the Holy Land unless you come with me. I mean, obviously, we're going to be exploring all the Hebrew things and all the things that I love to look at, along with Dr. Carson, a good friend of mine, who's also a wonderful biblical scholar, used to be the um, the pastor, um, campus pastor at Liberty University. You know, we're going together on January, on January 15th, 2024, and that's all at my website. But I want to... Like I said, I, I am just really looking forward to meeting you and, and you making those plans. And again, you can just email me, call me, whatever you want to do, and we'll talk about how to how to help you get there. I would love, love, love for you to come along on this adventure of a lifetime for me. I've never been to Israel. I've always wanted to go for obvious reasons. Can you imagine, you know, actually going to all those places we talked about in the Song of Solomon, Mount Hermon, and oh man, I just, I, I can hardly wait. But anyway, it's all happening on January 15th. And if it's something you would like to do, oh, I would bless my heart to have you along and, and to um, enjoy that relationship, you know, that whole idea of sharing God's word. It's nothing more fun than that from my perspective. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Bill. And, you know, thank you for the guys coming up with the Bill, Bill, Bill. I do love that. And, uh, you know, we want to remind you slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got all done in 33 years, but he took a really straight highway. <laughs> Make your highway straight. Get in relationship with God today. Thanks for listening.
This is the Truth Network.